Welcome to the podcast, Cocktail Party Economic Conversations, with your hosts, Evie Adamate and Richard Maranta. So welcome back to uh, Cocktail Party Economic Conversations. Uh, we are going to be discussing um, the ideas in chapter um, uh, seven of the book Cocktail Party Economics called Demanding Clients. And our guest today is someone who went to Guelph and I knew her well then and was a grad student in our program. So Catherine Groom, and she's going to talk a little bit about the role that the idea of demand has in her job. So uh, we're really glad to have you here. It's, uh, it's wonderful. Thanks. Glad to be here. So yeah. Hi, hi Catherine. Uh, it's great. Thanks for coming. It's, um, so you, uh, you're working at D.A.R.E. and uh, you got a great title, Demand Planner. I, I think my wife, my wife would love that uh, title because she likes to demand that I do some stuff and she likes to plan what, I, what she demands. So the whole title would be great if it was hers. <laughs> so that's awesome. So yeah, we're just trying to, um, some of our guests, we just want to get to kind of the, the, the narrative of your story and uh, where you've come from from, you know, starting at Guelph and then up to your present role and, you know, sort of what, what's motivated you, what's inspired you to do what you do and, and the type of work you do. And so it'd be great to hear what you do now and, you know, how you've come from Guelph to this point. Yeah. Okay. So um, I started um, at Guelph in economics and I, loved economics and I thought I wanted to be a professor. Um, and so I went as far as working on a PhD, um, but realized at that point that I didn't actually enjoy academia all that much, uh, right. despite really liking, you know, the subject, mm -hmm. I didn't want to be an academic. Um, so I ended up, uh, I had some contacts at DARE and um, got a job as a sales analyst there, working with the, the sales team, which um, is very interesting. I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm sort of an introvert and salespeople are kind of extroverted and charismatic. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm analytical, but as an, as an analyst, the fit was pretty good. Um, so I really enjoyed that and I got to, um, have a lot of experience with um, DARE's customers. And I should just clarify that um, at DARE, our customers are um, grocery stores and um, food service companies, you know, not, not the end consumer. They're mm -hmm. the sort of the middle point um, person who buys from us and then goes on to resell. Mm. Um, so I learned a lot um, about our our customers there um, and then I went from there to um, a sales strategy and planning job um, which I found I didn't enjoy too much and from there ended up going into um, supply chain so into a demand planner role and found that I really liked that and in the demand planner role, I did a little bit of supply planning, a little bit of demand planning as the role in our company has evolved. Um, because our company is sort of 
in the in a transition stage of trying to move from um, kind of a, a not so strong demand planning um, SNOP um, system to to a, a better one. Um, and now I'm in a, a purely demand planning role, um, which is great. What is that? Uh, what is a demand planning role? What, what, um, what is it you plan? <laughs> so, so I work with a bunch of different um, people in the company, groups in the company, to try to come up with one number that we will work towards, as in we will plan to sell a million cookies, for example. Um, and whether what a we dream. will actually a million cookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whether we'll actually sell that many cookies, it, you know, I mean, probably not exactly the number that we picked, but that's what we're all going to work towards. We're going to produce that many, and we're going to to uh, promote the cookies as if we're going to be able to sell that many. Um, and really, we're all just going to kind of work together to get to that much and not sell too much because then we can't provide it yeah. and not sell too little because then we're stuck with leftover cases and they go to clearance. So your analytical skills, I was thinking, um, you know, analysts sometimes make amazing like uh, superstars because like if you can be Jack Ryan, he was an analyst, you know, for the CIA and then he ended up being, you know, <laughs> making a big impact. So it's, it's a pretty interesting. Sometimes that analytical mind really makes an impact, right? So do you find that you're using some of that analytical skills that you had? Or? For sure. Um, so I, when I first started out, we didn't have any proper demand planning software and we're implementing at the moment. So I spent pretty much all my time in Excel. Um, and having strong Excel skills was very helpful. Mm. Uh, and a lot of what I did and do is looking at previous um, demand, so previous sales basically, and based on those previous sales, combined with, with um, leveraging my strong relationship with the sales team, um, talking to the sales team, trying to come up with what we will sell in the future. So COVID, what did that do to you guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it messed up everybody. Um, for us, you know, I, tons of impacts. But um, the first thing that it did was suddenly a massive spike in demand for pretty much everything. Um, wow. Because, you know, people were panic buying. So just right. people, the, the grocery stores were empty, you know. Um, I went to the grocery store one day and I looked and the only thing of ours that was on the shelf were these kind of really specialty ones like bread and organic that I guess you don't panic buy organic stuff. <laughs> All the organic no. people are calmer. <laughs> Maybe. That's right. You don't have so much sugar in them. They just have some... That's yeah. cool. So yeah. you basically so, sold everybody was worried, okay, we're gonna be locked down and there won't be a cookie <laughs> or cracker. So initially we they panic bought and we sold all out and you know we couldn't produce fast enough. And then 
so here's strong, high demand, and then suddenly, or, or as people tr started to calm down, we started to see shifts in demand. So um, Bear Paws, which is our sort of most important brand, is a lunchbox kids cookie um, that is peanut free and, and portable. And so it's really geared at bringing into schools. Um, so when schools closed, closed down, people panic bought Bear Paws. But then after that, now there's very low demand for Bear Paws because no one's bringing them into the school. And suddenly people have shifted from, they used to, uh, the, the market trend was going towards wanting out of home food. So portable, snackable, that sort of food, that was the trend. And then suddenly with COVID, everyone's at home. So now people want the like massive box of cookies that they yeah. can scarf while watching TV. <laughs> That's cool. Here, so we, <laughs> just put it in the uh, in the living room and just get your own <laughs> the buffet of cookies. That's, that's pretty interesting. They're buying in bulk because they don't need to have packages to take away yeah. in their lunch, or you know, they can just keep the box in their cupboard, and it's cheaper by the box than it is in little packages. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, we and and all our competitors have been shifting for years towards packaging that really works with this portable demand. And then suddenly now there's demand for a totally different packaging type. Um, and it's not easy to shift between two different packaging types. So it's Right, because you have really an assembly line. Like exactly. You, you, yeah. How long does it take you to get from, okay, we're going to do this to it gets to a store? Uh, so do what exactly? How long does it take you to get up to speed? Like you've made a shift and now you have to put more boxes in that have no small packaging. How long does that take to make that transition? Well, so if we are talking about a completely new production line, then that's minimum two years, um, maybe as much as five years. Um, but that's a, that's a total new production line. If you're talking about getting um, just new packaging equipment in, mm -hmm. you could probably do it maybe in a year, but certainly not in the two months that it took for demand to shift so radically. Wow. So what did you do? Well, I mean, we're just hurting on sales for bear paws and luckily we, we do have bigger boxes of other things, but we're struggling, you know, we're struggling with capacity on the, the products that people now want. Like something they can shove underneath their mask easily, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or eat during a... We... <laughs> Good idea, eh? <laughs> we'll talk after. <laughs> to the R&D people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think sometimes when we talk about economic models and we're shifting demand curves, we make it all sound so instant. When, um, you know, we're in, and we go from equilibrium to equilibrium really, you know, in one second. And equilibrium to equilibrium in the real world is a little slower. Like wow. you have a lot of inventory. So you have a lot of markets where you have no inventory and other markets where you have a stockpile. 
uh, yeah, and and where we'll have to be just slowing production. Um, recently, we invested in uh, a very good bear paws line, um, which of course is a problem for us now. Um, I hope that you know they just announced in September schools will be back in, so um, I would be expecting to see an increase in demand again. Uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, I'll cross for you. <laughs> yeah, wow. So how many lines would you have? Well, goodness. Um, I, I'm going to have to count. Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. I, I, maybe 12 or 15 around there. Okay, and they're and you're all in the cookies and crackers. Do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, we have um, so cookies, crackers, fine breads, which are like Melba toast sort of things, mm -hmm. um, and candy. And uh, we also make um, Leslie Stowe, which is like a um, crisp with um, inclusions like raisins and nuts and stuff. Um, and then also we just, um, acquired a company called La Panzanella, which makes flatbreads. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about you and your role, uh, as a, uh, demand planner, how certain roles are in more demand now, right? Like, right. Like it's, I know some people are working like crazy in some organizations now all of a sudden, and other persons aren't doing as much because they're their skill is not as much in demand. Like I, I, I did some work with a large insurance company and their IT department was swamped and there was the stand-up trainers were having to shift. So they weren't doing much. They were trying to shift into a different area. So I just think it's interesting. You know, your skills probably were in high demand. People, you know, Dara's probably counting on people like you to say, okay, help us predict what's going to happen, right? So I, it's kind of yeah. fascinating. I mean, it, yes, but at the same time, you know, this is something that nobody can predict. Right. And um, right. I, I say that about September, we hope that the that stuff picks up, that demand picks up for bear paws, but we need at least five weeks of lead time to increase production. Um, I guess we've, we're exactly at that mark now. They just announced schools going back. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would say, okay, now we start ramping up production a little bit on bear paws in hopes that we do actually see it pick up again. Well, yeah, and especially if um, school becomes erratic. So say there's a breakout at a school, well, suddenly there's a shutdown again, right? So you have this situation where it, you, you have guesses. It's not a predictable guess, you know? It, we have no idea. It, it's never easy to, to predict demand. Um, but in, in a situation like this, it's nearly impossible because, you know, a month from, well, a month from when schools open, they could all shut down again if we're in the second wave. So, right. and suddenly we're stuck with this massive uh, amount of product that we built because we assumed that there'd be lots of back to school volume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about that the other day. I was looking at um, these stores that sell back-to-school supplies, and I know the second biggest event in the year after Christmas is back-to-school for retailers. You know, new clothes, new backpacks, new binders, and I mean, 
my older son, that was his, he loved that one more than Christmas. He loved back to school. He wanted new binders with, you know, everything new. And so, uh, and I was thinking, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I, I guess now that they've announced back to school, kids will be getting new running shoes again and new clothes and new st- backpacks and pencil crayons. I hated those commercials. <laughs> as as I saw one, the first time I saw that in the summer, I went, oh, back well, to school. My younger son is like you. He hated back to school. My older son thought, oh, he just loved staples. <laughs> It's like his like favorite, favorite store. <laughs> so I would imagine, you know, uh, people are gearing up for the fall. They're thinking, oh, I'm going to be really busy. So I'm going to stockpile some lunch food so I don't have to race out all the time. So they would do a little bulge maybe. And But you're in a situation where who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and like you said, back to school is a huge, huge time for us. The only one big, that's bigger is Christmas. Yes. So. So back to school, they would stock up on that stuff then? On bear paws, for sure. Okay, wow. It, it partially also, and, and this is something that's kind of uh, makes my job harder, um, because cookies and, and really, I think a lot of grocery products are very driven by price. So as mm-hmm. soon as you put something on sale, the price or the demand for it skyrockets. And so in some ways, we might be doing it to ourselves a little bit that, that we have this back to school spike in demand, because that's when we promote really hard. So, oh, sudden, so you give better deals. In we give better school. deals at back to school because we think the demand is so high at back to school that mm. it's hard to pull out from that what is the actual demand versus how much is driven by the fact that we've lowered the price. So change in quantity demanded versus change in demand. You really are trying to figure out how price sensitive is the client versus how there's a real shift in uh, an event to -hmm. this product. Very cool. So uh, I I know that's a hard concept because everybody uses demand to be both and it's not, right? Dropping the price is not an increase in demand. It's an increase in the quantity demanded subject to a price change. But yeah, very. Wow. So, and you might be merging both of those in the same event. You have a shift happening and a movement along kind of in the same week of September. Yeah, we're basically betting that there's a huge increased demand or it wouldn't make sense to, to lower our price, you know. And, and you have a lot of, you know, you have to have a lot of production ready to go. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure there's a lot of other industries in the same boat, right? The same thing, the demand at at back to school, right? Yeah. If I was making pens or backpacks, backpacks, how do you know how many to make? Yeah. And if there's an outbreak, you could have a warehouse full of backpacks, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that seems to me like it would be a bit easier because now that we know that they're going back to school everyone's going to buy a backpack and then i'm assuming you don't buy more backpacks throughout the year right Uh, right right right. so so them shutting down is not as big a problem whereas with cookies you know it's being consumed throughout the year right 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 right. down demand drops yes interesting well i think having a job like a demand planner 
Um, are, are there a lot of your kind of jobs at all of these kind of consumer product type companies? Uh, yes, I, I think so. Um, the, the bigger companies, it's really very important to have a good demand planning system in place. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, without it, you can have such problems, you know. Um, if you don't have enough product, obviously you're missing out on sales, which is bad. But also you're damaging your relationship with the customer. And the customer fines us for, mm. for not being able to fulfill their order. And then, oh. on, well, yeah. Um, and then on the other hand, if you made too much and then you basically just have food going to waste. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's interesting you say that because I, I know as a consumer, I can't think of any ex specific examples, but I remember thinking these people are wasting a huge opportunity probably because of poor planning, right? Like look at, I don't, I forget. I'm trying to think of an example, but I remember thinking it like as a consumer thinking this business has made a mistake here because they haven't planned for this demand, you know, that was available. And then they just didn't have stuff that everyone was demanding. They're clamoring for something, but they didn't have it. I don't know if you, you can think of anything else in, in but I, I just remember thinking of this, right? How important to be to plan right well it, it for sure happens you know um if if the company just makes a mistake planning you know they or say they didn't plan for an important promotion mm -hmm. uh, another thing that could happen is the customer sometimes though usually they're very good about working with us on when they're going to to um have a promotion meaning lower the price have it go on sale um sometimes they might forget to tell us and then all of a sudden there's a huge jump in demand because it's on sale and we weren't ready for it yeah. you know well here's an example for me uh, i i'm on the ketogenic diet right so it's come into popularity right and i i go into one store um and i think they did a really good job of offering these products right and so i'm quite happy metro i shouldn't make, i don't even know if i should mention the name but anyways i go into their store uh and i think oh they already have it but other stores have totally left the stuff out like low carb right foods so i go into the past i keep looking is there where is something that's low carb and I'm thinking, this is a wasted opportunity because they probably don't understand that there's this market out there that it's growing, that somebody isn't doing their research to realize there's people that want low carb food, right? And everything's targeted to, at the people who are concerned about fats, right? But that's kind of an old thing. There's this new wave, right? So I just think that's an example, of, I think, in my mind, because, <laughs> right? Um, well, it strikes me too that sometimes you go into stores like I mean honestly every time I was going to the store I it took six weeks to get yeast back in the store like, it was like yeast was gone you know mm -hmm. uh, then they you know they were and they were using rationing too so which I thought was really good I mean you're only allowed to buy one bag of flour or one package of toilet paper because it was like completely gone someone would and they would resell, you know, I guess people weren't doing that with cookies. They weren't buying all the cookies to resell the cookies, but people were doing that with toilet paper, which I yeah. thought was, you know, which makes sense. You know, basically they're scalping, 
you know, that that's what they're doing and they're making a profit on the, on the uh, difference. So that's why I thought rationing, which is not typically a market solution was a good idea. Like, do you have a lot of times when you have promotions where they have limits? They'll say you can only buy this many. Uh, no, not really because we want them to buy more. Um, and if we've planned everything properly, you know, we, we're not running out. Right. Um, with toilet paper, it makes sense, right? Because they couldn't adjust price. They had this huge spike in demand. The supply was fixed because, you know, you, toilet paper is probably produced in Thailand or something. I don't know. Um, but they, they can't rapidly increase supply takes a while to get it over here. Um, and, and grocery stores can't increase price, whether it's due to regulations or just because it would really be a stupid thing to do. It would piss off their customers. Um, so with price being fixed, you have this, in economics, we think, oh yeah, price will just adjust. And so obviously everything will be fine, equilibrium. But no, we end up with shortages. Yeah, it's because they don't adjust their price. And that's why you need to move to a new mechanism called rationing. You're only allowed one or two. So uh, I just want to say thanks. I, I think this is an interesting conversation, definitely an angle that most people wouldn't think of having a company that thinks about demand predictions and yeah. uh, that that's so important. So it's a great so, topic because we had like environmental person and somebody else and then yeah. cookies. It's awesome to go, you know, different variety of things. It's cool. Yeah. So I think it's important. So anyway, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you uh -huh. uh, taking the time. Out.